0: I speak on behalf of someone else, too. I do have to make sure my talent are comfortable with everything that I'm doing. I don't make decisions without they're okay, or not everyone operates like that, but we do, and we're a team together, you know.
1: Hi, everybody, welcome to the show. This is Blissfully Aware, a podcast about rooting into purpose and exploring your creative process. I'm Ioana Friedman. On the show today, co-founder of Lala La Land, Brian Almeida. Her agency represents a selection of some of the most established and emerging creative talent in the global fashion industry today. We take a look at the ins and outs of representing creative talent from an agent's perspective. You'll hear us talk about nurturing relationships, where things go right or off course and producing shoots, and ways to think about hiring the right talent for the job at hand. Let's dive in. I'm so happy that you're able to do this. Oh, what thanks a small for having world. me. Can we start at the beginning?
0: Absolutely.
1: You used to represent talent. How did you go from representing them for an agency to founding your own company? Uh,
0: I don't think the decision to open up my own agency was one that I i don't think there was a lot of weight in it when it happened. It wasn't like I set out in my career to one day, like I didn't have a goal of opening an agency. Mm. In fact, I think I probably would have been <laughs> like, I don't want to be the one responsible for running a company. I'd rather just work for someone I that was comfortable. When I decided to do it, I had already had my two kids and I was looking into the future for myself and my family and my talent. So all of those things were combined in making the decision. I wanted to have more support to grow my talent in a more thoughtful way, and I couldn't do it on my own. And in the position I was in, I felt like I was on my own to do it. And I didn't have the support for the growth that needed to make their careers better. And I felt responsible to make their careers, enhance their careers. And I felt that's my role as an agent would be able to make opportunities for them. And I didn't feel like I was doing my best because of the structure I was in. And I probably wasn't doing my best as well because of the structure that was set up for me in terms of being a new working mom and Those early years are challenging for most women. Something that was never discussed for me, a lot of businesses, they create an environment, you work from home, all of these things that make it easier for flexibility that you need. But one of the things you want, like I always hear it in the women that I work with now is They always want to give an excuse for not being available or having to work from home or having to take their kids. They feel bad about it always like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble or I'm going to get fired because I have these things that are important. And I never wanted anyone to feel like that. I think Mm -hmm. it's a horrible feeling, that stress that you give yourself for not being able to do it all. And that's a problem. And I wanted to create a space where I recognize that if I give myself the time to take care of those things first and foremost, then I am performing better when I am focused on it. I'm available to be my best for the talent, for the clients, for my coworkers. I'm more present. And then I'm not creating problems because I'm exhausted and burnout and all of those other things. So I wanted to create a work environment and manage people in a way where they feel they can be their best. And that means make time for themselves and really have a family of like inclusion and Mm -hmm. support around them. And it's not just everything's on you and you better figure it out. We're in it together. You're having problems with this situation. Let's all work together to figure it out. Every day is a new challenge, but we try.
1: How do you think about developing a team and bringing on talent to operate your agency? I'm not talking about the talent behind the camera or the stylus. No, like just the internal
0: um, management. I think, well, back to the original question, it's instinctual. So the decision to leave one place that I was comfortable with and I was doing well to start something new and take that risk was instinctual. Because if you do think through it, it probably wouldn't have been the wisest decision. You know, it's not safe. Yeah, (laughs) it's not safe, it's not easy. It's not like, it's not all the things like a lot of people will be like, oh, you have your own business, that's so great. I'm like, that's the fantasy version of having your own business. It's not real. The real part isn't any of those things. So it was instinctual. And just like me bringing on a team of people to support and be around, it's instinctual. Like, do I like this person? That's number one. Can I sit with this person and talk to them all the time? Mm -hmm. Do they make me laugh? Are they stable? There's all of these things that are the most important. And then I think it's the questions you ask. Do they have a firm understanding of our industry and are they flexible? Mm -hmm. Are they willing to work hard? Can I trust them? And, you know, you don't always know those answers until you're in it with people.
1: You got to feel it on your own skin.
0: You know, and (laughs) so when you're in it and we all have things we have to work on, right? And so the talent as well, it's the instinctual leap of faith that you take to sign new talent. It's an instinctual leap of faith you take to bring people on as team members and You have to be willing to work through some of the kinks that come about Mm -hmm. and be flexible and recognize how your practices need to evolve to to work with other people because they may not respond to how you communicate. Those are things that I'm learning and I'm still really trying to be better at. (laughs) (laughs) What are you learning? I'm learning to listen more. That's so tough. I'm really not great at it, and so I'm really working on it. I'm an action-oriented person. I've always been. So, like, deciding to do the company was like, oh, I'm just going to do it. Like, don't think about it. If you think too much about it, you'll, like, commit yourself not to do it. To sign someone, sometimes it's just a moment where I'm like, let's do this. You know, I like to move. I like that about myself. And I think right now I also need to pull back. And so when I need to communicate with someone on my team, a talent, maybe it's not just picking up the phone in the middle of running from one place to the other and not giving people the proper time to communicate and the proper moment to communicate. Because ultimately, after I got the phone, I'm like, oh, that was kind of awkward. Why was that awkward? Because I'm being an asshole. I'm like, I got to go. I'm really good at saying I got to go. That's not a good reflection of me as a communicator.
1: Hey, you're aware of it. That's amazing. (laughs) Let's start there. I I know.
0: But, you know, I always want to pick up the phone. I always want to be available when people call. But if I'm not really available and I'm picking up the phone, how is that helpful to anyone? It's not. So trying to make those boundaries for myself so everyone around me gets the best version of me.
1: So how do you think about working through those boundaries or like shaping them?
0: Well, you know, it's funny. Sometimes I applaud my talent for in the heat of the moment, blasting someone, calling them up and calling them out and taking that moment to like go there when they're feeling it and not being afraid of really making their voice heard. And I really value that when it happens. And I'm the champion of that. There's been times that casting director I represent, who I'm very, very close with, she stands up for people in a way that I'm so grateful for.
1: Can you give me an example?
0: She works with a lot of non-model talent, real people talent. She's street cast and also actors. She works with everyone under the gamut. She's very, very successful. But when things happen and someone isn't being provided the respect are the fashion industry is operating as they normally do with models. Mm -hmm. She steps in and she makes sure people are aware this is not a model. And the way you're communicating, the way you're treating this person is disrespectful. She steps in as their agent almost. And it's not to get those people in trouble or to be angry at those person. It's really like, hey, guys, wake up. How are you communicating? Like, think about what you're doing. And when, like we said, things are going so fast and people are just not aware. So she brings that awareness. And part of her whole vision of her company is she's championing people that have never been championed before. And so in doing that, there's a responsibility. And I love that she will react to something because she's responsible for them by putting them in that role and handing them over to a client. She feels, you know, it's important to stand up for them because there's a power shift that people forget Mm -hmm. the power that they have. And as an agency owner, as the agent, I have to also recognize that too. And I also have to recognize that it's my job to communicate that to the client as well as to the talent. And that's where the like slowing down thing helps because you can process things and be able to look at it better than when you're in it and it feels so, so,
1: so big, you know? Mm -hmm. It's intense, that power structure. It can feel really overwhelming to be on set and be directed. They're so excited
0: to be there. And it's so different that we have to recognize that the people that this is not their job This is to them, their dream come true. Mm -hmm. And so more importantly, let's make it their dream come true. Let's make it a beautiful thing for them instead of having them walk away and go, oh my God, look, everyone tells their own story. People have in their mind this fantasy of working with, let's say a Vogue or a big brand Mm -hmm. of what it is. And we know from the other side, it's just hard work. You know, it's, you show up, you do your job. and But I think you have to recognize that it has meaning for other people and that maybe their story is something else and they're very sensitive to whatever is going on or whatever their background is. And what you're asking them to do or how you're communicating with them can be super hurtful without your intentions. And so I think the slowing down part is to get to know someone and you talk to them and you connect with them, then they feel like they're a part of something instead of being used by something. They're a part of that overall conversation. The opportunity, if you do slow down and you talk to the person that you're utilizing as the face of something and you hear their story, then that can spark more creative ideas. do we as a brand work with that story in a bigger way how do we celebrate that story and then you're like wow we don't have to choose this person's face this person can like work in a different way for us too Mm -hmm. and then it's like how beautiful is that relationship it's a real relationship you know it feels more real and like the creatives learn something from that everyone being open to creative flow from other places I think helps
1: what do you think is the hardest part about getting there To a place where there is that flow, where all the people involved in telling the story and creating the media get to this place where they're supporting each other.
0: Loyalty, relationships, Mm -hmm. not just working with someone one time, creating a trust. And that Mm -hmm. takes time. And that means working with people for a longer period of time. And I think using people for one thing or another and then spitting them out, you're not gonna get the best from that person. You get the best from them when you've really created a relationship and you can, mm-hmm. there's a um, trust there for them to push it too. And the creatives can get more from everyone around them and everyone will benefit because they have a communication flow that's easier. That first shoot with someone compared to like a 10th shoot is completely different, you know? Mm-hmm you can be open. It's not working. Move on. And without it, people feeling, like, oh my God, they're going to fire me. They're never going to work with me again. It's just like a long relationship versus a new fling. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You <laughs>
1: develop a shorthand mm-hmm. with people. So as an agent, how do you facilitate that longevity?
0: You know, it's not going to work with everyone. Some people just it's not the right fit. And I think the most important thing is to go into each opportunity, whether it's first email that they sent, or it's a client that you don't wanna work with, but you go into everything with a really good attitude and you create an open place. Like maybe I get a request for someone to do something and it's not the right fit for them. Am I going to not respond? Am I gonna just ignore that email? Am I gonna respond with not interested? How am I gonna to respond to that? Do I create a space for people to continue to ask and be able to feel comfortable coming to me asking for my talent absolutely I never want anyone to feel like whatever the job is I'm not going to consider it because I do consider every job even the ones where I'm literally on the phone and I'm, after hearing about it I'm like, okay 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 <laughs> and then they tell me the budget and I'm like on the phone I'm like still trying to be positive like okay like how can we and then I'm like oh my God, this is like completely insane. Like there's no way the hotels alone cost the entire budget. You know, when I know it's impossible, I'm still trying. And the way I think is I'm always trying to make things work without jeopardizing the talent and their integrity and also getting the most to the client, you know? So even then I want to, I am very open. I try to figure it out.
1: Yeah, you want to leave an open door. Yeah.
0: One of the things our company does, and of course, when I say this, it sounds like we do it for everyone, but, you know, of course, we're human. We don't always have time to respond, but we respond to every person that emails us wanting to be represented, which is, like, massive. Like, I'm emailing you from Timbuktu, you know, and I want to be a photographer represented and we will get back to you because don't you remember being that person? Like, (laughs) And it's important to remember. Don't you remember? I'm like, I value that you're taking that control over your vision and your dream to want to go after it and emailing this person in New York City Mm -hmm. saying, will you represent me? Like, that's beautiful. And sometimes you never know. Maybe there's someone there. Make the people feel heard. Generally, People email us and we're like, look, your work's great. Like, continue. I don't know if we've represented anyone in that regard. We have been open to mentoring people and giving them feedback on their oh, work. Wow. And yeah, to help because it's just the agency, the way it works is a little bit different. But we want to be able to support creativity and direct them.
1: That's amazing that you mentor. Yeah. Do you have a structure around that or do you instinctually do it? Mm,
0: every agent has their own Thing, you know or their own people that they keep tabs on that they give advice to and I've worked with a company they're out of London and they have a mentorship program and we've been actively supporting that and working with kids in that regard and it's nice most of our work though is mentoring the talent we have there's a lot of resources going into that alone because we have a London office and we have a New York office so I We're very boutique. I think it's still really pretty small roster, but it's not super tiny now. How
1: many people do you directly work with, talent-wise? I mean, honestly, all of them.
0: (laughs) Not on a daily basis, necessarily. I work with the managers. I know what's going on with every single one of the talent, especially the ones based in the U.S., because we are responsible for that Mm -hmm. entity. Um, But I talk to my European agency on a daily basis, like every morning. You can find me walking to the commute on the phone to Europe. It's just before coffee sometimes, which is frightening.
1: Yeah. So, Um, your co founder works out of London. Yeah. Two of you.
0: One handles the production company and oversees that, as well as manages one of the directors we represent. And then the other one is in the trenches with me, mirroring what I'm doing in Europe.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Divide and conquer. As you're saying, the, the picture that comes in my mind, it's almost like you're orchestrating right? You have all these different pieces and all these different people that are in your orbit and you're orchestrating them together so that they can create beautiful artwork.
0: Yeah, it's fun and sometimes it's hard because with every pitfall, you feel it together and every success, you feel it together. And I think agents tend to be, um, you know, I think overall in the word agent people never like are excited when they hear that word. It's not like, "Oh yeah, I want to talk to you. You're an agent." Like the Matrix <laughs> Unless comes you're a to talent- mind. <laughs> yeah, like do you just think like I always think what entourage, you know, that are and I'm like, "Oh my god, no one, which is a character who I love, but realistically agents are so good for brands because we are able to be the whisperers to the talent to get them where the client needs them to be and vice versa. We can talk to the client and say, look, we can do X, Y, and Z for you. We want to make things work. We want it to be, like I said, a loyal relationship where you grow together and you support each other.
1: Can you give me an example of it in play? It comes down to
0: budgets, right? Let's be honest. It's always one of those things when you get the brief. We have a lot of set designers that we represent and... Every single person has the same struggles, I think, because you have a brief. That's a struggle for the brand too. They want the best. You know, everyone cares so much pie in the sky. And then, but it comes down to the responsibility of who's going to create that, the people you're hiring, those freelancers. So whether it be a set designer who's like, oh, great, you want this. Well, in your references is X, Y, and Z. So I don't want to show up on set and have everyone disappointed because what your budget allows is... Something from Ikea. Like it's not as luxury fashion as you're looking at. So then we work together Mm -hmm. with the creatives. Okay, guys. And the set designers do so much heavy lifting in that regard, facilitating the creative because they're like, okay, guys, love what you're doing here. But realistically, that's not possible, but this is possible. The set designers do, if you hire the right person, they really can help go into that mind because I feel like the best ones are those creative directors inside Um, Mm -hmm. and they are able to rework what you're coming up with and give you what's possible and make it just as perfect and beautiful and then with fashion stylists same thing I mean I can't tell you how many briefs I've seen everyone wants that same picture but that costs money H&M costs what H&M costs for a reason you know and (laughs) it looks the way it looks not to say you can't be creative about it but You have to be realistic. And so trying to fight for, you guys, if this is a really important image for you, you need to find the money to execute this properly. And that means paying people fair wages, too. Because I don't know if you've ever had this happen. It happens to me all the time. Is when you are cheap about things. When you cut corners, you pay, always. I always use the example of this producer booked a flight through a search engine, it took legit a full day of my time trying to rebook this flight. And I get that you're trying to do something cheap, but you just cost yourself and everyone else more money in doing that. And that's a basic example, but you end up paying in the end. Usually, you know,
1: I I, I can think of so many examples through my career. If you're not paying to solve the things in camera with the right props, the right styling, you're going to pay in retouching
0: one hundred percent.
1: or you're going to have to pay some copywriter to yeah. just like bliss
0: this out. Yeah. And I'm also very much on the side of fairness for costs, but you got to be reasonable. And if you don't have the money, be reasonable with what you're requesting and understand value the people that work for you pay them. Right. Because if you pay someone, well, they will go above and beyond what you're paying them. And you'll get so much more out of them. That's ultimately, and then if you're loyal with them too, you'll get more from them. And the other areas where the shortcutting happens with the talent and trying to get the most out of it for the creative is connecting prior to the shoot and really like think and talk through stuff. So you're on the same page before you get to set. Also with model budgets, with casting too, it's like talent costs, what they cost and if you're getting real people they're not models so you have to have those expectations and that then you should pay for a photographer that knows what they're doing that's experienced because they're going to have to get out of someone something that they're not trained to do you know so paying people understanding where you're going to spend your money if you're not going to spend it on a huge girl and you're using real people smart move get a photographer with a lot of experience that can make that picture what you want that's time And having made mistakes to get to a place where you're confident enough to really direct that set Mm -hmm. and feel good and feel strong.
1: And get people to feel comfortable with you.
0: Yeah, there's a reason that the experience is worth the money. Some jobs are necessary for that, and I get it too. But really think about what you need, hire right. As an agent, do you
1: find yourself in a position to educate your clients? If they're not creative directors, if they're like marketers or whatever, do you have to educate them on the creative process and
0: why things cost what they cost? I wish I could say that there was space to do so to be able to have that conversation. Yeah, we explain things and we break it down. Mm -hmm. And we find ourselves often having to really fight for expenses and things that we're not getting any. This isn't about fee. It's about other things. We have to educate them and we have to make them understand why it's costing, you know, why flowers, if we have a floral designer, flowers are just expensive. So if, if you want thousands of flowers, these are real costs. There's no shortcut here, you know. I can't imagine the budget on this Tom Ford shoots. Yes. For the botanicals. I like to think that the people that we're working with, they're pretty smart and they know the best people to work with are the ones that are like immediately go, I know this isn't great. I know. Like (laughs) I get it. They already recognize that. At least, you know, you're, you know, you're on the same plane working on this together. It's not great to feel like you're not being heard and that the person thinks that your budgets are crazy. That's harder for an agent because I care so much and I care so much to advocate for the talent. And I don't like anyone feeling like, oh, how dare they? Like, this is crazy expensive costs. Like, I, it really mm-hmm. upsets me because- My talent and how we operate were very fair. So when that happens, that's a harder one to deal with. But most part, everyone that we work with, they've been doing this for long enough and they know when they're up against a hard place with a budget and they want to work together and they're not necessarily apologetic, but they're grateful for your participation and grateful for what you're giving them. And that is such a nice place to work from. We're a team. And those are the best producers and those are the best art buyers who really get it. And yeah. then
1: 10 years down the line, you can be like, hey, remember when we had guess that what? crazy campaign. You're like- nice
0: to me. I will also work harder for you. And I will also help you out when you're in a bind and you are desperate. If you're in a position where you're screwed, talk to me. <laughs> you know, I will like, OK, let's see what we can do. I don't want you to get fired or whatever it is. And then when you have the budgets, you support it. Not everything can be a discount. Like no one wants to be taken advantage of. So that's pretty much how we operate.
1: Yeah, because sometimes
0: budgets shift mid project. Yeah. Yeah. Or in this case, you know, we've got clients moving shoots, right? That are supposed to be happening because of all these different things happening in the world. So I'm not going to charge you a cancellation if we lock down another date. Let's work together, even though, you know, those are things that you can partner with people in the right way. And then other times it's like, no, we really do have to be, the contractual obligations are there in place for a reason. I speak on behalf of someone else too. I do have to make sure my talent are comfortable with everything that I'm doing. I don't make decisions without they're okay or not everyone operates like that, but we do. And we're a team together, you know?
1: It's an ecosystem. Yeah. Is there a client or a talent that you've parted ways with because boundaries were just crossed?
0: Oh, absolutely. We've had talent leave. We've Stopped working with talent on our side. It's gone both ways. Same with clients. And I think that there's good ways to do that that are really healthy. And I think create opportunity for the relationship to continue Mm -hmm. (laughs) and to feel good about. How do you handle that? Well, here's the thing. I never want to work with someone that does not want to be working with me. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to feel beholden to a client or an artist that isn't bringing me joy. I mean, look, we all have our ups and downs, but there are times where you feel like the relationship's toxic. I don't want to ever have to be in that scenario. So we always talk through it. We try to make things work Mm -hmm. and um, we have very honest, transparent conversations. And when they don't work, we recognize it. And the talent's not going to grow and you're not going to grow if you're working from a place of fear or approvals and trying to make someone be happy, and you feel so responsible for everything because they put so much pressure on you, it doesn't work, you know. A successful union is one that both the talent and the agent, you understand it's a team, you really champion each other, even when... It's not going great. You know, when it's not going great, it's not about like, okay, so, you know, maybe the talent has lost a new client and it happens. Clients come and go. But when they do, is someone looking to blame? Is someone in a downward spiral and it's toxic and the communication, it's not one for, okay, let's work together. How do we figure this out? You want to move beyond the negative things and grow. And so when you see that everything you're doing is just constantly not enough, then it's time to part ways, I think. So you can work with people that truly do value you mm-hmm. and you value them, you know? That's beautiful. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> good stuff. <sighs> Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It was good. It changed my um, day today.
1: thank you so much for listening. Blissfully Aware is produced by The Daring, a creative consultancy and transformation partner to purposeful entrepreneurs and organizations. Our theme music is by Ben Tyree. And if you enjoy the show, please leave a review so that other people in our cohort might find it. And I'll see you back here in two weeks. Have a great day, everybody.